welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right. Well, big days, bad days here at River Valley Church. And we're celebrating the big day of marriage. All right. So marriage is this. And I thought, what better way, if you were to come into my house... Um, we live over in Wyndham Ponds. You're all welcome to pop over whenever you want to. It's great. We'd love to have you. Um, if you pop over and walk through the front door, you'll see a big wall that we have pictures of all of our, of our kiddos, of all things. And there's a big picture of Heidi and I in married form right up on the wall that we love to be able to come in and see. So I thought, I want to show off some of our married, if we could have a wall at our church that would have almost like, hey, who are, the, who are some uh, married couples that we want to make men? I sent a little text out to um, a group of people of a handful of some people saying, I think they were married 10 plus years. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to take one just a second. We're going to show some married pictures. And if your picture comes up as a married couple and you're here, I think most everybody's here, but if not, it's okay. If you happen to be the audience, just stand up because we want to see how much younger you look than the picture and how much thinner you look than when you got married. Because we all know you just, you look better and lose weight when you're married. So it's awesome. So let's go ahead and put this up for Big News Bad. Let's see who we have first, David and Leah. Look at that beautiful couple right there. Very nice. Next, we have, we have, oh, the Kipkas. Where are the Kipkas at? There they are. There's Terry. And Jim is out there counting the offering right there, which is great. Some of these faces you know, so, so it's for some of you that are here first time, you're like, oh, look at that. Oh, there's the Highlands. Todd and Lisa. I think they're in New York City. I think they're in New York City or something like that, so Let's keep going. Let's see who else we have here. Oh, there we are. Rich. Rich and Shelly Alquist. That's his daughter. You probably thought that was Shelly because Shelly and her daughter look exactly alike. Shelly's gone, but that's Rich and Shelly right there, which is beautiful. Let's see who else we have. Oh, there we go. Yay. We have... And I love it because sometimes I love it when God takes people from past relationships and puts them back together, which is awesome. So this is an incredible picture. Let's take a look again at the next one. See who else we have. Okay. Oh, that's uh, Wade and Jen Gilhar. Where is that? Hey, there's Jen. Wade is out somewhere. Wade actually does have hair. I know you don't see him when he doesn't have hair all around here, but he does actually does have hair. All right. Let's see who else we have coming up here. Oh, there's Des, Dave and Christine Phillips right there. Yeah. Dave runs our prison ministry. We reach out to the local prisons over in, uh, over in the community here, and he does it for all of our locations, but that's actually Miranda's mom and dad as well. So if you're new, you're like, oh, you mean that girl that was singing the worship up here? That's mom and dad for her, which is cool. All right, let's see who else we have going up here. Uh, oh, there we go. That is over. Um, yes, that is Linda Denton. That's the Dentons right there. There they are. Very nice. Look at that. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's see who else. And I'm trying to think of this. Oh, that's Rob Ketterling. If you know Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, that's Pastor Rob Ketterling and his wife, Becca. If you've been around at River Valley, you know he's our lead pastor. He preaches a lot. I thought it'd be really cool to show uh, Pastor Rob and Becca back in those days. Now, I think we're going to see some of our, our staff here as well. So I'm now going to throw some pictures up of our staff just so you get to see him in married life. Let's pull the next one up. I think this is our kids' pastor, Cody and his wife, Lindsay. 
the Bader's. Look at that. And they just have kids all the time. And now you know why they're having kids all the time. They just, this is what keeps happening. All right, let's see the next one. Oh, that's, that's our favorite worship leader. And our worship leader and our sound guy are married. So if you're like, he looks just like the sound guy, that's because that's him in the back. So you get to see Miranda in Austin. Next, of course, you'll see our next one, which looks like it's going to be Matt and Jessica. <laughs> who, they haven't aged a day. I don't understand it. Oh, who's that handsome dude in the back? Right. Yes, I did marry them back in the day. You probably don't know this, but I've known Matt since he was a little 20-year-old, finding his call of youth ministry over from Northwestern. And uh, he's been a youth leader here for many years. And Jessica, I've known since she was 13, 12, 11, around there, way back in the day from Mobile. So um, they're very, very special to me. So I love them, love them deeply. And lastly, last but not least, of course, let's see who we have up next. Oh, there's, you know that, you know that very handsome and very beautiful couple right there. Yeah, so that's the famous Heidi and Alan looking extremely, looking extre really in a difference, looking like a baby right there. Absolutely. It just, it's crazy when you look at those, you're just like, oh my, you mean I was like, no, that's not you, is it? Yes, it is. That's how it was back in the day. That was 90s Alan. So I was Backstreet Boysing it with my, with my hair. Uh, you know, that was pretty tame. But if you look close, there's once I had it spiked and bleached. And it's just crazy. It's like, who was you? Who was I back then? But that, I want you to see that. I want you to see the difference of just, these are all, we're trying to show couples. You saw some of the team. You saw um, some of our staff. We're just trying to say that, just to, trying to celebrate that marriage is awesome and we as the church love marriage and believe in marriage. We really do. And we're so grateful that um, we have a church that believes in it. We have a leadership team that wants to talk about it. And, um, and we really love that. Hebrews 13, as I mentioned, says honor marriage. And these are all big days for all of you that's been, for the people on the screen and for all of us that have been married. Those are very big days. And wedding is a big day. And so why? Because we put all the time and the resources, we put energy, six to nine months of planning, a ton of money into it. Have I mentioned money into it? There's so much we go into that big day so that we, that we can remember that day and keep that day big. And God believes, and God believes in, in, in this as well. And I put this down. Big days were ordained by God. God believes in your when we began moment. All these pictures signify the when we began or when we started. Because before, because before then, it was just two me's living as me. But then there comes a moment when that changes and me's combine to become a we. And I love what it says in Matthew 9, 14. It kind of speaks about God speaks to this, the when we began moment for if, when God ordained it, says this, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator, he made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What God has joined together, let no man separate. I love that. I say that at all of my wedding, weddings, when I do a wedding, I'm getting married. I'm getting ready to marry uh, Nate, who are drummer with Tessa. I'm marrying them at the end of the month. And I will say at that wedding, I'm going to say, what man is joined together, let no man, let no man separate. What God is joined together, let no man separate. So that's something that we are saying, hey, we really want to be able to look at this idea of when, of when, when me becomes we. 
When me surrenders to we, it becomes a big day. We're functioning together. And those are wonderful big days. And those big days continue. Those big days become best days ahead. You know, those moments of when we're functioning really good. Like when I pick my wet towel up off the floor and hang it up and it's not, it's not in the bathroom. That's a really good wee day for me and Heidi. When the toilet seat's down, okay? And I, I remember that Heidi would like it down. So I just, that's a good wee day for me. You know, when, the, when Heidi leaves and she says, make sure the kids have breakfast, make sure that you pick up, make sure they pick up their room. And they do that and Heidi comes home and sees it done. Those are really good wee days because she's like, oh, thanks. This really looks great. Um, but I would say... a Contrasting big days, bad days, is when we becomes about me. When the we becomes me, and that's when all of us can face this, if you've been married or you're walking through a marriage or you've been married at one point, is that the we can, is always in a perpetual spot of, of, of pulling apart, always. The we begins to pull apart, and, when, and that's when me resists we, that becomes the bad day. When the me wants to rise up and say, I don't want to do the we today. I just want to have it be about me. And that's when we run into trouble. And that's when things can get difficult when it becomes about me. I don't want to talk about my day, Heidi. I want to watch. I just want to hang out and just watch TV and not be bothered. You know, I don't want to budget for braces because I'm throwing so much money at braces right now. I would much rather spend it on a jet ski because all my friends have jet skis and I don't have one. And I'm really jealous about that. Um, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive because she started it. She always seems to start it. So I don't want to forgive. Wait a second. That's bad. That's bad marriage right there. It's always working together, right? It's always both of us. Or it's usually, actually, it's probably mostly me. Um, I don't want, I don't, um, I want to watch football. She wants to watch HDTV. I want man cave. She wants craft room, right? I want air on high because I'm hot because dudes are hot. She is always freezing. So we need to figure that out. Unless it's, unless the covers are on and then they're kicked off and it's mass hysteria. Uh, I want to save for a red. I want to save for the red sports car, and she wants to spin it on a target red card. Okay, it all is just constantly pulling and pushing us apart. Even culture is seeing this happen in culture. I looked at some stats. Um, you know, and when it comes to culture, uh, culture says this is um, thirty-nine. They did a Time Magazine survey that says marriage is becoming obsolete. Thirty-nine people said that marriage is obsolete according to Time Magazine. Um, there's a generational difference in marriage. And then in the 60, in 1960, 68% of all 20-somethings were married. In 2008, just 28% are. Cohabitation. As, as marriages decline, cohabitation has doubled since, since 1990. Marriage is no longer considered a prerequisite to parenthood. Births to unmarried women has gone from 5% in the 60s to 41% in 2008. I'm just saying, those are cultural references. Now, you might be like, well, I'm cohabitating, or I have a kid outside of marriage. It's like, we're just trying to say, this is what culture is showing us, and we're saying that in the Bible... We're trying to say, hey, there is, there is a, a way that we can, that God wants us to do things relationally that avoids, it keeps the we together. Because when you're, when you suddenly, oh, we got pregnant, we had a child on a wedlock, that's harder to keep the we together when you're not married. It's harder when you're dealing with stuff, when you're living together and you're like, well, we're going to test this and see if this works first before we go in and just to see if we're a good fit. Well, it's so much harder because you don't have God having the two become one you've got you trying to make two become one and God is so much stronger and God is so much better so we want to be able to look at that and even then 
you know, I mean, and those are just some bad days when you're dealing with some of the bad day stuff. You know what I mean? When we look at, when we mentioned some of those, but there's even becomes more bad days that are more difficult because for some of us, we've received divorce papers that caught us out of the blue. I spoke with someone recently that out of the blue, they got handed divorce papers and they're just saying no, you know, and there's like, I couldn't believe it. I just, I'm like, did you see this coming? They said, never saw it coming. And so um, breakups, Maybe you've been in a, in, a, in a relationship, you're going to be engaged and all of a sudden the breakup happens and you're like, wait, no, we were supposed to be together. There recently I was, I was part of something where the engagement was together and it got called off and the engagement stopped and it was like, wait, to pump the, pump the brakes on that. That was hard on both, on both. You have a cheating spouse. We see that suddenly that the good, the good, the big day where we are all, where we are all working together suddenly becomes uh, difficult. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a second. Now, all of a sudden, a cheating spouse or abuse suddenly comes in. And next thing you know, there's that separation that begins to take place. And, and all of that, there's hurtful words. A death of a spouse. A doctor's report that speaks to something where a spouse is, 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 on, is on the road towards, towards, towards sickness and even death. And it's like, how do we handle this? That there are going to be da- bad days in marriage. There's going to be difficult days in marriage. And so, um, and so for us, I want to be able just to say we recognize today that in marriage there is going to be big days and bad days, but we are really passionate about saying we want the best days to be ahead for all of us. And whether you are married or whether you're single and whether you're saying like, I don't want to be married, I, God's called me to singleness, then great, take this information and inspire your, your married friends or look into relationships around you and say, hey, this marriage is important. This is what we believe about it. Wherever it is, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, we just know that we want me to become the best we we could ever be. Does that make sense? Um, Colossians 2 talks about that. It says, uh, my goal is that, that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Encouraged in heart, united in love. That's what we're hoping for, that we want to believe that marriage can be something that can come together in such a way that is going to be so life-giving, that you will be encouraged in heart and united in love. That's the, that's the hope, that you would be able to experience that. And I know, and, and there are unity undoers, and I think the things that we, as we're looking at this today, I'm, I'm posing the question and posing the thought that there are connection killers, um, what separates we into me mode? What separates we, us, into me mode? And we know it is going to be the selfishness that we all battle. As I ask for marriage advice, you'll hear some of that throughout this, throughout this talk that um, there is, there was reference to like, you have to die to yourself. It can't be about what you want. It has to be about what we want. And that is the challenge. What separates we into me's is simply me. How you grew up is different than how your spouse grew up. Plain and simple. That's very obvious. How your parents raised you is different than how your spouse's parents raised you. How you handle conflict is different than how they will handle conflict. How you handle money is going to be how different than how they handle money. How you communicate is how they communicate. How, you, how, how your personality, there's enough personality tests out there to know your personality is different than theirs. And so coming together to be able to make um, two me's into one solid cohesive we is so important and that God wants us to be united. 
When you're divided, you are defeated. But when you're united, you can be excited. That's the passion of it. To say, if there is division, that only goes the wrong direction. You can't, live a, you can't be in a healthy marriage and be divided. You have to be united on every front. And so, we, have, we want to resist me so that we can be the best us. So five ways to realign your me back into we to have the best us. Here's the first one I would say. Make love a decision, not a feeling. And I really want to speak this to young people because there is, there's a difference between uh, falling in love and there's a difference between growing in love. There's a difference between, uh, there's, there's marriage is always going to be a choice before it's an emotion. Marriage will always be a commitment to a relationship with someone. It's always first going to be a choice. And, use, and, and that's where you start from. And then emotions will align themselves to your choice. There are times that emotions may, take the, may, may get ahead of the choice. There's times that emotions may have to catch up to the choice. But we make a choice to love. And if you're married today, you have to look and say, and say, we've made a choice to be together. Somewhere along the dating process, somewhere along the engagement process, somewhere along the way, you've made a choice to be together. And that is the, and of that choice, sometimes you're going to really feel it. And sometimes you're not going to feel it, but you've made the choice before God and men. Who was at your wedding? Think about everybody that saw, for those of you that are married, or if you've been to a wedding, you sat in that audience, or you looked at that audience, and everyone out there said, we are all here because we agree and believe that you should be together. And that affirmation, I always say, hey, if you're at my wedding, call me out. If you see my marriage going in a direction I'm supposed to be, then call me out. But Heidi and I made a choice. I saw Heidi when we were running. I met, uh, as you guys know, I found Christ at 22 years old. I came out of a partying lifestyle at a fraternity, at a college, getting my, I've got a degree in public relations and with advertising business. And I was just giving my heart back to Christ. And I gave my heart to Christ at a church. And uh, I have notoriously, I'm, if you, I'm always right on time because old Alan was always late. And so, but old Alan was running into church 10 minutes after it started, and lo and behold, who was running in 10 minutes after church started? The amazing Heidi was. And we're both running in going like, I'm so not spiritual right now because I'm so late, I'm so sorry, and Heidi's looking at me going, I'm so not spiritual right now. And she was running, and she goes like this, and her purse catches on the door, and she falls down, and I'm looking, I'm just like, I feel bad for that girl, and I'm like, wait a second, she's actually kind of cute. I love blondes with blue eyes. Very cool. And I walk in, and I'm just like, we walk in, and I watch her, we both sit down, and we're like, huh, interesting. So we see each other on the opposite end, and from there, Heidi's mom comes notices because I was working at the Mall of America at the time because it's the 90s mall just open I'm working at Sam Goody selling music because I was a DJ and I love music and I'm out there and for those of you guys that are old know Sam Goody you know these references that's for all y'all that know it so I'm in the Mall of America and I'm working during the day and at night I go to church at night because they had a 6 p.m. service I sit down and I'm watching and it was a puppet night. And it was like, really? There's puppets? And I'm like, but I haven't been in church. I just got saved. My heart's on fire for Jesus. I guess I'm going to love puppets. And lo and behold, Heidi's parents were there. And they said, there was this young man who almost looked Italian with super great hair, who looked really handsome and dark and tan because it was summer. He looked at this 
And they looked at him and says, and he was just blubbing along, laughing at this kid's thing. She goes, and they said, Heidi, you need to figure out who this guy is. And little did I know, I was already looking at Heidi. So I go to my buddy at the time who I met there. I said, Eric, I said, here's what we have to do. We have to go water skiing on your boat because I got to show all this awesome off because 97 Allen had a little bit going on here, which is pretty good, unlike what we see now. And I'm like, if I can get out there with my shirt off, then I can show off my, 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 my water skiing skills and my, uh, my, my wakeboarding skills. So we go out on the boat, on Eric's boat, and we go out, and I'm just like, I mean, Heidi and I said, hey, you want to go hang out? And uh, both of us are going to go water skiing. And she's like, absolutely. So I go out there, water ski, show off my biceps, my pack, everything's going on, which is really awesome. And that was the beginning of how, of where life ended up. And next thing you know, we've been married 21 years this August 1st, which is great. But there came a moment when I got up on that stage and we looked and I just remember we sat there and when they say, man, I'll present to you. And I saw everybody out there and I thought, and I looked and I said, we make the choice in the good and the bad. When, we, when we're fighting and when we're not fighting, there's days that it works and we is the best we we can be and we are crushing it. And I am like at Whole Foods crushing it and she is over at Edward Jones making it happen. And then I'm picking up the kids and she's got the laundry and, and I hate cooking and she's baking up a storm and I'm just ordering pizza because that's what I do best or making scrambled eggs because those are the two things I make really good. And, and everything's going on and I'm just like, we're killing it. But then there's those moments where it's like, you never did what you, this, we didn't do this. Or like, how could you say that to me? Or I'm not this. And well, sex thing, you know, we're having fights. And that's the one where I don't feel like I love Heidi when we have those kind of fights. It doesn't feel like I love her. And I have to make the moment to say, there came a moment that it seemed right. We were nine months in, we threw money into it. We invested into it. It all made sense. So even though it's difficult and even though it's hard, I said, it's no longer me, but we. And I have to surrender to that choice, even when I don't feel it, because my emotions will catch up to the we, or, emo- or our emotions may try to run ahead. And that's fun to chase the emotions with it and run with it. But there is that moment of staying together. And that's what we choose to do, which is, which is good. So it's a decision, not a feeling. It's a decision. Falling in love is an accident, but growing in love is a choice. Choose to grow. Choose to grow. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a, it's, it's a choice. In order to love properly, you have to forgive properly. Forgiven people forgive people. If you are a spouse and you have a hard time forgiving others, you have a hard time holding on to grudges, and, if, and if, if you're in a marriage where your spouse is saying, I'll never forgive them, I'll never forgive them. My family, they're, they're forever gone. Forget them, don't care, they're never gonna be a part. And you're saying, I never, will never, will uh, never hate unforgiven. That is is a symptom. If you're the spouse doing that or you're hearing your spouse, that's a symptom of unforgiveness and that's going to plague your marriage. And that unforgiveness is going to be difficult to be able to overcome. So you have to make that choice to forgive. You have to. And, and like I'm saying, so, so cool. Well, hey, the one marriage didn't work out, you're in a new one. Great. Practice forgiveness. Hey, I'm separated and now, and, and I'm not sure if it's going to work out. Okay. You know, everybody's got their own story. I always want to keep saying that. There's a story for everybody of where everyone's at. I know God's ultimate plan to be together, but that's not always the case. It's called the real world. It's not always going to work out the way we think. So we do our best to give it to God and surrender to God. But wherever you're at, make forgiveness part of that. Forgiveness isn't agreeing with what's been done to you, but forgiveness is canceling the debt against the person who hurt you. I want you to really read that and let that sink in because that's really important because otherwise you keep holding on to say, they owe me, they owe me, they owe me. Until I get that apology, until I get this, until I get that, then I'm never gonna, for-. you have to forgive and you have to move on. 
We forgive because Christ forgave us. We forgive because Christ forgave us. That's just what we do. Even with Honey Night, when we get in a fight, when we get into, into issues at home and it's like, it's 11 o'clock and I'm really tired and our fight is really going strong. I'm like, you know what? We got to pull out. And we always say, you know what? The Bible says don't go to bed while you're angry. Sometimes you can't solve it at midnight because no one's feeling up to it. So we always make the point. We always sleep in the same bed, always. Never, Alan never gets the couch. Heidi never gets the couch. And that's uncomfortable, right? We're just like, I can't believe this. You know what I mean? It's like, we got to share this bed after all that was said. We choose to say, we're always going to share the same bed. And before we go to bed, we always bless each other. And I always pray. When I I pray before I bed, I'm like, bless Heidi. God, I know, you know, I love her. You know, I didn't mean to say that. I hope her to see that I love her. And we bless each other. And then we wake up the next morning and it's being like, Hey, what were we fighting about? I don't know, but um, we got to get stuff rolling. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I guess I love you. She's like, I love you. Great. I, I love you. We're great. We just, God just magically like mojoed it over, the, over, over while we were sleeping. So sometimes God will just solve it, which is super awesome. All right. Number two, um, I'm bringing funny back. That's the next thing you can do. Bring funny back. Culture says I'm gonna bring sexy back. Maybe you need to bring funny back because funny is essential. One of the number one things for marriage is to bring the fun back. People need to laugh in their marriage. And you know what fun killers are? Busyness kills the fun. Doctor practice, doctor visits, laundry, the lawn. Busyness can kill it. What can kill your fun? Serious, serious things can kill the fun in a marriage. Mortgages, jobs, kids, aging parents, whatever it is. Exhaustion can kill fun. Kids are born. You stop dating. You suddenly, everything's about getting the kids, getting diapers and buying more diapers and more diapers and changing more poopy diapers as much as you can imagine. When you have children, it's like, ah, it's crazy. Responsibilities, work stress, kids stress, children's stress, all of that stuff can kill your fun. But God wants us to be able to enjoy, Proverbs 5 says, enjoy the wife of your youth. Enjoy the spouse of your youth. Enjoy your spouse. I love that. You ever have those moments with your spouse when you're out or with that significant other and you're going out and you're saying, hey, that was really fun. We got to do that again. We got to do that again. Hey, that was cool. We got to remember to do this again next time. Whatever the do that again, whatever the that is, remember it. Because those are the things that you clicked well, it worked well. It, for some reason, when you both feel that way, that's what makes you a great we, is whatever that was. However that happened, whatever it was, you have to be able to do that. Heidi and I love to go to coffee shops. We love to hang out and spend quality time going to coffee shops, love to hang out, we love to go for walks down by the lakes. We always try to go to different lakes, we love to do that. Um, there's just certain things we love to do that we love. We went to Utah and had a great time with family trips. We do a winter vacation every year to go somewhere warm, uh, either with friends or by ourselves to make sure because how many know we've got to escape the snow drifts? It makes us a way better we if we can get out the snow. So that's what we do. Your spouse wants you to be a fun person. They really do. They don't want you to be so serious. And if you're a serious person, you've got to dig deep and find, and find out whatever makes you laugh is what was attractive to her or to him. So you've got to pull that out again and be able to do that. Be a fun person. I love what the Highlands said, Todd and Lee's Highland. They said, find things you like to do together and prioritize making time for those things. That's some wedding advice from the Highlands. And they, you know what? We need to do that. Find out what you love to do and do it because that brings joy. That brings excitement for you. Proverbs 17, 7, cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Got a dry marriage? Get some cheer. Get some joy. Get some excitement. Go to a comedy. Go sit down and watch some kind of sitcom on television. Laugh. Make fun of you know, your, 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 yourself. Whatever you have to do to find the funny, 
Make sure it happens and make sure you do it. We, it's always so great. You, even if it's spontaneous. Heidi and I sometimes will say, you can't talk American. You have to talk English for the whole rest of the hour. And we'll go ahead and we'll make, we'll make each other talk that way. It's actually, that's a little Australian. I don't know what happened there, but we just make it go. You just like, you got to have fun. Be spontaneous. The third thing in order to make sure your, your, your we doesn't drift into me is think differently so you can love differently. How you think about your spouse greatly impacts how you treat your spouse. He is what you think about. He is what you think about him. She is what you think about her. I think that's really, and sometimes there's one thing that I hear when I'm in, when I come in, it's like, well, he's lazy. Sometimes I'll meet with, count, with people and we'll counsel them. They'll be like, well, he's lazy. And, I'm, and, and it's like, and he's like, I'm working all day, all night. I just don't have time to do the stuff at home as I would like. So really he's not lazy. He's just not doing the things that she wanted him to do. You know, she's naggy. You know what I mean? She just nags me all the time. Well, she's not nagging. She's actually, you know, when you see that, it's like she's actually wanting you to do stuff and you're obviously not doing it. So we have to figure out how to, how to make it not do it the first time when it's asked, you know? I could have done better. I mean, they're, they're a great spouse. I mean, they were great 10 years ago, but I feel like I could have done better. I feel like they're just kind of, they're just kind of a second, you know, they're not the ideal spouse anymore. Well, you can't think that way because when you start thinking that way, that becomes second grade spouse. She never loved me. He never loved me. He doesn't love me like they used to. When you start thinking that way, and then you start believing that stuff. That's why in 2 Corinthians 10, 2 through 5, verse 5, it says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. To Christ. I love the dude language there. We demolish arguments. All the guys are like, all right, demolish. Finally, we're getting some good, good dude language in this. Yes, demolish arguments that sets itself up against your marriage. What's coming against your marriage? What's coming against that, that, the, the we part of you? Guess what? Take a, take a spiritual sledgehammer, guys, and crush it. Whatever it is, whatever that thought is, dispose of it, demolish it, and, and give it to Christ. Whatever it is, take every thought captive. I think that's why encouraging is so important to your, to your spouse. When was the last time you encouraged your spouse? Where you went and said, say, hey, I just want to encourage you today. Before you start, before you leave to work, we always make it a point. We encourage all the time at birthdays. We encourage all the time at Valentine's Day. We encourage all the time at special moments. We try to build in encouragement. We just had Anya and Magnus' birthday in June. We, have to, we sit around the table and say, everybody has to go around and say, say things they love about that person. We have to build encouragement. We build it into our family culture because we don't do it enough. It's a culture we don't do it enough. So find time to do that. How are you encouraging your spouse? And make sure that you do that. Compliment in public. Compliment in private and public. Give honest credit where credit is due. Rich and Shelley give this advice. Love, L-U-V. Listen, understand, validate. Listen, understand. If you want to love your spouse, listen, understand, validate. That's something, we can take that advice and do that with our spouse. Today, take a moment to listen, understand, and validate. Encourage your spouse today. Communicate how you're feeling. Communicate what you're feeling and thinking. One of the biggest things, I was just meeting with um, some, some couples recently, a couple recently, and one of the biggest things was an absence of discussion. They were so busy running from A to B with work and with kids and with life that they, they were missing out on discussion quality discussion time. That's such a big part of what needs to happen. When is that time for you? If you're, if you're in a relationship right now, when is the time for you to connect and talk? 
We, you should put that time into your, into your calendar, put it into that moment where you can find out when it is. When is that couch time that you can sit down and catch up? Five minutes on what you need to do for what needs to happen that week or that day. Five minutes on, on uh, how was the day and then five minutes to encourage each other or, say, or inspire and just do whatever you have to do. I think the Kipkas give this advice. We have, we, we have built our lives upon Jesus' love. It's our firm foundation. There's something about when you're in Christ, you take the love of God and you begin to inspire and affirm and encourage. It's so important. So important. The fourth thing, loving God more helps you love your spouse more. All right? You need to have not just, your me needs to be a we with God so that you can become the we with each other, right? Your relationship matters to God. Your me needs to have a we with God too. I love what Andrew and Linda Denton said. They said, they put this, they kind of little uh, an addition. Commitment to Christ plus a commitment to love unconditionally plus a commitment to change and grow plus a commitment to communicate and serve and forgive equals a strong marriage. It's about that commitment to God and each other that makes a strong marriage. You've seen the illustration many times in wedding. A cord of three stands is not easily broken. You can have, it's not just us, you two just wrapping around. It's braiding all three, you, your spouse, and God together in this, in this three-cord strand of that commitment. So, however, so when you do that, when you, when you love God more, it helps you love your spouse more. The more you love God, the more you can love your spouse. It helps. When your devotional life suffers, when your commitment to Christ suffers, your marriage will suffer. Plain and simple. I don't know how else to say it. When I don't connect with God like I should, I am more tense. I'm more edgy. I should be thinking. There's all those kind of things. So just be thinking about that. How, what does your devotional life look like? What does your relationship with God look like? And if you're not in a flow, find out. Start tomorrow. How, this is your day one of your flow. Get into a flow tomorrow. Read the Bible. Pray. Seek God. Get in. Whether it's drive time, drive home time, find that place. Because it's going to come out of your life. The fruit is going to come out of your life. I love what Galatians 5 says, but I would, I'm going to put on the screen, but what if you put, um, instead of the fruit of the spirit, what if you put the, in the, uh, but the fruit of your marriage? Because the spirit of God's at work in your marriage, right? The fruit of your marriage. Can you say this? The fruit of our marriage is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What if that, can you, what fruit of that is in your marriage and what is lacking? Because God wants to bring all of that into your marriage and into your life. Here's a big question to ask. What is it like to be on the other side of me when I'm at my worst? What is it like? Think about your worst day. What is it like to be on the other side of that? When you come home and, you're, and you've had a tough day or the kids have been crazy or whatever, that's honest. You should ask your spouse this question. This question is not, you can pontificate this. But what if you ask your, your spouse today at lunch, what is it like to be on the other side of me when I'm at my worst? See what they say. That'd be really good research, wouldn't it, for your relationship? That'd be great research. God wants to help me be a better me because a better me makes the best we. This whole point, help when you get into yourself and you help yourself, God helps when God begins to help you. Lastly, number five, love your story, not someone else's. I think it's so easy for us to compare your marriage to someone else. 
It's so easy to compare. It's so easy to, see, to look on social media, to hear the stories, to be out for coffee with the ladies, to be out with the guys. And everyone's talking about how great their marriage is. And you can begin to resent. You can begin to be upset. You can begin to think like, I wish I had that spouse. I wish I had that marriage. I wish I had that life. I wish I had, I wish I had that home. I wish I had those, that relationship. You've got to be able to love your story, not someone else. And if you don't love your story, you need to go back to where, where, the, where the we first started. Heidi and I will sometimes sit down and we'll go and say, hey, we're like, hey, what, is it, what did you love about me? What is, uh, when we have, we talk about the marriage, which we try to tell the kids when we first met. We try to do these things. So it reminds us like, even talking about it today, I'm like, oh yeah, that was such a cool moment for us. Remembering how we met and why we are supposed to be together. It just helps. It helps you remember the story. You talk about that story. You create that story um, that God's been building it. You have a love story. You just have to write it. Think of each day as a blank page waiting to be written. What is God going to write tomorrow about your marriage or your relationship and the relationship that you're in? What does God want to write for your parents' marriage tomorrow? What does God want to write for your friend's marriage tomorrow? I don't know. But each day... Each day is important. I love what Dave and Christine Phillips said. Seek first the kingdom. Remain best friends always. Support each other's dreams and have cool kids. Absolutely. Hey, that's so great. Supporting each other's dreams. What are you dreaming about? Invest in that together. If you were wishing you were in another marriage or in somewhere else, that's an unhealthy sign. I know it's very different if you have an abusive spouse. I know it's very different when you have situations where um, when you're trapped in a marriage. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you're trying to make it work and it just becomes difficult and you're both just knowing there's got to be something else, that things aren't functioning right. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. They are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant to use someone else's standard of marriage as your, as your standard. What is God's standard for you? Which is scripture, Bible, prayer, all of that together. You're going to be tempted to compare yourself to other people. You're going to look on Instagram, you're going to look on Facebook, and you're going to see all the great stuff and all the great trips. But that's just the highlight reel, right? That's just the top, that's just the top moment of the month. You don't know all the fights, all the difficulty, all the stress, all the, all the money issues, all the kid issues that are going on behind the scenes. So don't, don't compare yourself, right? I want to take a moment for us to stand. And if you um, are on the prayer team, I want you to come down and uh, come on, go ahead and stand. And we just want to take a moment to pray for marriages today. We want to take a moment to pray. So, so we're all in here representing, you either represent a relationship right now that you're in, or there's a relationship that you can think of and that is marriages that you can think of that you could pray for or there's marriages that you, a marriage you might want to be in in the future and you're hoping to get married someday or get married again someday. So really this should be for all of us here today as we pray. And I just want to go ahead and take a moment to pray. So if you have a spouse with you, go ahead and grab their hand. If you want to get married someday, you can put a hand on your heart. If you're a solo student in here and you're just, you want to be in a relationship or whatever, go ahead and do that. If you're in a relationship, grab the hand. Just engage somehow as I just begin to pray today as we lift up marriages today. Jesus, today, we're praying for marriages today. We're praying for relationships in this church. We're looking for strong we in here. We're looking to become stronger and better together. 
This is us, God, together saying, we want you. We know you are the bond. We know you bring the fun, you bring the love, you bring the joy, you bring, you, you help us not to compare. You help us to be able to put us in positions, God, where you tear down our thoughts, our negative thoughts about our spouse and about our marriage. God, today, I don't know where everyone's at, but we just declare today that we are committing ourselves to you first. And out of that commitment will come a strong marriage and a strong life in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We've got some couples here. You'll notice to my right, um, I wanna highlight, they're, uh, Jim, the Cromer's over here. Jim and Lorraine, you guys can put your hands up in the spotlight there. They are marriage mentors. And if you would say, hey, I would love to get marriage mentored, that marriage mentorship is not your marriage is on the rocks, you need desperate help. It could be for that. But they just love investing in marriage. They've been married 39 years and they want, they just really are passionate about seeing marriages get stronger. So you might be like, hey, I just want to hang out. We just want to talk about our marriage and any tips or advice, whatever, that could work. They would love to be able to do that. So if you're a, if you want marriage mentorship, talk to them. Um, and we've got people up here and, and uh, it just, hey, if you need prayer for your marriage, we're going to go ahead and just say, come up to pray. Just be like, you don't have to say a bunch of details. Just be like, hey, we're really, we need some prayer here. Let them pray for you. And even if any of those couples that you saw and you see them running around in the lobby, grab them and just say, hey, I want to pray. I want to pray for, I just need prayer. Will you just pray for us? And uh, we'd love to be able to invest in marriages today. So uh, the band's just going to play lightly here uh, while we're heading out. Donuts and coffee in the lobby. And thank you for coming to River Valley. God bless you today. Let's go in and celebrate marriage and life as River Valley Church Woodbury. God bless you guys. Have a great week.